Hi, folks. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. You can play on FanDuel all year long, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, or hockey. Whatever sport you like, you can play it daily on FanDuel. Use promo code 4 for 4 that's 4-F-O-R-4, four, for a 100% deposit bonus. Welcome to DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports' most valuable podcast presented by 4 for 4 Football. I'm 4 for 4's senior DFS editor, Chris Raybon, joined as always by 4 for 4's TJ Hernandez. How you doing, TJ? Good, man. Uh, I kind of had a, a bittersweet week. Um, I had a, a lot of really nice GPP plays this week. We'll, we'll talk about the good part coming up with our guest um, but that Calvin fumble at the end did cost me quite a nice payday. But uh, that, that's the way it bounces sometimes. Oh, man. All right. We'll definitely get into that. But before we do, we have a special guest on hand, Josh Moore, today. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me. Uh, qualified for the 4 for 4 championship at FanDuel, so I'm stoked about that. I told you guys I would be uh, qualifying there, and I did, so yeah, feel pretty good about that. It's only week four, so I still got some time left. Uh, that championship <laughs> is in week 11, so maybe I'll get another qualifier or two before then. Uh, it's 30K championship in week 11 with uh, 50 entries, so I'm pretty stoked about that. Had a pretty good DFS week otherwise, and it's week five of the NFL season, getting into the bye weeks, and uh, having a blast so far. All right, man. Yeah, we definitely got to talk more about that. But before we do, we do have to mention the music that played us in. It was Get By off Talib Kweli's 2002 album, Quality. TJ, you feeling that song? Yeah, man. Uh, Talib Kweli's always been a rapper near the top of my favorites, and I always meant to like listen to him a bunch, and I never did as much as I'd like to. But every time I go back and and listen to his music, it's always, it's always, it's some of the best rap and hip hop around, really. That's a dope track. I do like that yeah. track. That's on my playlist as well. Oh, it's Definitely. the best. Definitely. I think people slept on Talib because he was more of a. I guess you could say a conscious rapper during the bling bling era. So people yeah, he know. wasn't rocking ice and driving Lamborghinis around. I know. I mean, his <laughs> loss, but you know, he made the music. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, let's before we get into these week five picks and our weekly DFS theory segment here on DFS MVP. Josh already talked about it, but both he and TJ finished second and third in the 4 for 4 championship for week 4. They both won seats to the main event. So, congratulations guys and Woo! Yeah. <laughs> 4 for 4 repping their own uh, tournament. That's what we got to do, man. For real, man. So, uh, you know, I I, I want to talk to you guys about each of your lineups. The listeners out there know that we usually do a brief recap of the past week in DFS and since we have Josh here, let's start with him and we're just going to go break down his lineup and Josh, I will I'm going to read off your lineup first and then 
I'll let you break it down. So Josh's team finished in second place. It scored a 147.44. His quarterback was Derek Carr at 18.7% owned. Running backs, Carlos Williams at 59% owned and Devontae Freeman at 15% owned. Amari Cooper, DeAndre Hopkins, and Julio Jones were his wide receivers. Martellus Bennett, the tight end, 21.5% owned. Dan Carpenter, Kicker only 4.5% owned, and the Panthers defense with 18 points at 5.9% ownership. So, Josh, the first thing I noticed about this lineup was that you faded all Packers. So, tell us the reasoning behind that, and then just walk us through the logic behind the rest of your choices. Yeah, so I'm going to fill you in on a little... uh secret of mine and dfs gpp strategy and that's to uh, play the max entries in a tournament so this was my my winning uh second place lineup in the 4-4 qualifier but i actually entered 20 lineups in the tournament and i definitely didn't fade packers in all of those i had um randall cobb and james jones in about half of my lineups i had one of those guys and then in the other half uh, i was basically Packer free. I did like the the upside that the Packers wide receivers offered and and Rodgers as well. But um, Rodgers was tough to fit in lineups with his price. And then the receivers, I don't know, I feel like after the huge game that they had in, in week three that, uh, you know, people would probably be on them pretty strong. And I still, I don't feel that. I mean, Rodgers is amazing, but they do, you know, they're still missing Jordy Nelson. That hurts. They're missing Devontae Adams, who I think is probably their third best option at this point um randall cobb still nicked up so yeah i definitely didn't want to have huge exposure to those guys very interesting and yeah this is we talk about this every week here on the podcast but you know when it comes to these really popular chalk plays you're better off fading some of them to really finish well in a tournament you know you had you had carlos williams in there he was 59 percent owned but you know he was cheap so he really offered a lot of flexibility but Besides that, your lineup, you know, is mostly a bunch of more second-tier guys. I know you did have Julio in there. Um, it was but... a weird week, man. I mean, it was just one of those weird weeks where the lineups where uh, what I did in a lot of lineups, and including this one, is I paid down for running back a bit, and then I loaded up on stud wide receivers. But Julio was my number one uh, exposure wide receiver this week, and mm-hmm. you know he had a total clunker, and it just goes to show how low scoring the week was that I can get you know the top price player in my lineup. I got five FanDuel points out of him, and I still finished second this tournament. Um, as far as exposure. I worry about that personally more in bigger field tournaments, which I don't really play that much. I prefer kind of the the smaller to mid-sized tournaments, say 100 people to uh, maybe 2,000 entrants is really my sweet spot. And I don't worry about exposure too much. You know, I don't want, obviously, a whole bunch of super high-played guys. But a guy like Carlos Williams, I knew he was going to get a ton of work, and I knew he was going to get the red zone targets. And the game against the Giants, uh, the Bills were actually big favorites, which was another reason why I went with their kicker. But that game didn't pan out, and Carlos Williams, I really got lucky to get a last-second touchdown there with him. Um, But, yeah, he was hugely owned. I didn't realize he would be 60% owned. That's pretty crazy. Um, But he was, you know, cheap, and he allowed me to free up some cash for some other players. Um, Devonta Freeman, he's a guy that you guys talked about on the podcast, and he was in a similar situation to Williams. And really this week, Freeman was the difference maker in – 
in everybody's lineups that played him. So people that heard you wrecking him last week on the pod, uh, they should send you a, a tip or something. And, uh, I mean, Freeman, you know, he scored 35 FanDuel points. He scored the most points of any player, I believe. Maybe Philip Rivers or Sam Bradford was the second highest scoring player, and they were almost 10 points lower than Freeman. So really, Freeman was the difference maker, and I was lucky enough to get him in a few of my lineups. Um, the way that I built my lineups was I basically went to the four four stack reports that's available with the DFS subscription, and I looked over the top, say, 10 value stacks and picked the ones that I liked, and then I, I rotated in several of those. So I had two or three Derek Carr and Amari Cooper stacks, which is what this was. And it's kind of funny because this week the stacks didn't really even pay off. I mean, Cooper and and Carr, they were okay, but they only totaled, I think, about 25 points. Um twenty seven points. So I mean it wasn't really like the the difference maker there. I had I rotated in about six different quarterbacks and they all scored between fourteen and sixteen points. Uh the highest scoring quarterback I had was actually Kirk Cousins, who I felt about the worst because they had some some wins going there with that hurricane that, that moved off the coast. I did not feel good about Kirk Cousins, but he actually scored twenty one points. So um anyways, so yeah, I went with that stack. Then I filled out the cheap basically cheap value running backs with Freeman and Williams. Um I did also like uh Latavius Murray this week, but I luckily didn't have him in this this lineup. He was another really highly owned guy, so I tried to avoid having both him and Carlos Williams. I felt like this tournament was a seven hundred person tournament, so you needed you know, you didn't want the two highest owned running backs, but uh you could probably get away with one of them and then a, a lower owned guy. And then I just kind of filled it out with uh Hopkins who is getting a ton of targets and that paid off. He did get twenty two targets and had a big game. He was probably the, the other difference maker along with tight end Martellus Bennett, who also had a really nice game and you guys talked about him on the podcast. Um, it's funny, I put in Dan Carpenter out of my 20 lineups. It was the only one where I had Carpenter, and he scored the worst of any of the kickers that I used. <laughs> I think I switched to him just because I had Lambo in a ton of my lineups, like 15 out of 20 lineups. And I just, when I have a kicker in that many lineups, I've been burned too many times. So I just kind of, as I'm firing bullets, I just tend to switch it up a little bit. Uh, so I went to the Panthers defense, who did pay off, and then uh, I moved up a tiny bit to Dan Carpenter because they were favorites, but that didn't work out. So, yeah, I could have finished first in this uh, tournament if I'd used any of my other kicker plays. <laughs> Definitely not. It was still a really great lineup. You know, I love the Panthers defense play. You know how high I am on Josh Norman, and, you know, he got another pick six. He got yeah, two more yeah. interceptions. Um, so, TJ, I'll get to your lineup in a second, but any any thoughts on Josh's lineup quickly before we move on? No, I mean, I, I think I, I really like uh, Josh's strategy across the board. I mean, when you're entering, you know, 20 lineups in, in one tournament, you're going to have, uh, you know, shares of, of stacks like Carr where you're not always going to have the Aaron Rodgers, the, the, the quote-unquote best uh, matchup of the week. Um, but, I mean, he hit on the guys you needed to hit on this week. The Hopkins, Bennett, Freeman, and we'll see that when we get in my lineup. Uh, if you had those guys in your lineup, you were sitting pretty. Um, you know, it, it's hard to have a tight end score 20 points in a tournament. And if if you don't have him in your lineup, it's going to be hard to make up those points at that cheap of a price anywhere else. Um, so, I, I, you know, I like what Josh did a lot here. And it was a funny week like we talked about before the show started. Um 
like all the points pretty much in this lineup. Freeman scored three touchdowns by halftime, mm-hmm. and and my lineup was pretty much scored all of its points in the first hour and a half of of football. <laughs> and then uh, I think I didn't I don't even really watch my lineups on Sunday. It's too much going on, and I got a a message from you, TJ, and you're like, I'm coming for you. Oh, okay, yeah, so I guess I'm doing I'll, all right. <laughs> I'll talk about that in a sec, but Josh, I have one quick question for you. This is something that's actually been working with um, the Atlanta offense in GPPs, but it's generally not a strategy that people uh, implement, and it might just have something to do with you running out so many lineups in one tournament. Uh, were you on Freeman and Julio together just because you thought that Atlanta was going to put up the big number they did, and you just figured that uh, you can get two touchdowns from each guy, kind of? Of, or is that just kind of a function of you having so many lineups and you know it's no just- I like I like both guys individually but I kind of I figured if Freeman was going to have a good day it would be after a couple Julio Jones touchdowns so yeah, kind of what I was thinking was that they would get out with the pass and then they'd run the ball in the second half but what happened was they got up really big early and then pulled their starters so it kind of backfired yeah we'll talk about that a lot later in the pod too Right, no, definitely a good point to bring up the the running back wide receiver stacks. Um, but let's move on to TJ's lineup now. So TJ finished right behind Josh in the tournament. He finished third. His lineup scored 145.86 points. His quarterback was Aaron Rodgers. Running back was Devontae Freeman. And then Jeremy Hill at 0.6% ownership, scoring 24 points. Uh, then he had Randall Cobb and James Jones. Stacked with Rodgers, DeAndre Hopkins, Martellus Bennett, Matt Bryan at kicker, and the Indianapolis Colts defense. So, TJ, I just got to start with Jeremy Hill. 6% ownership. I'm pretty sure that means you were the only guy in the tournament to have Hill. And he scored three touchdowns. What made you put Hill in the lineup over Carlos Williams or any other popular plays at running back and then you know from there just take us through the rest of your lineup well before i jump in hill it's funny that josh mentioned i messaged him when we were uh sneaking up this leaderboard because i told him i'm coming for him and i it was the the scores didn't change after i messaged him with that and i think it was either it was either the beginning of the fourth quarter or like 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter of the second uh, set of games. So I still had Rodgers, Cobb, and Jones and didn't score one more point for the rest of the game. Uh, oh, <laughs> so I was like, I thought I, was, yeah, I thought I was going for first, but, you know, you're not mad at qualifying for for any final. Uh, it was just funny that I, I kind of jinxed myself with that one. Um, but as far as Geo goes, um, it, Geo, I mean, uh, Jeremy Hill, he, he wasn't a guy that I had a, a ton of exposure to. I mean, I'm rolling out across all of my uh, lineups. I'm rolling out 50-plus tournament lineups uh, a week um, just across all my games, and I had maybe 10% share of Jeremy Hill. Um, but particularly on on FanDuel, if you looked at it, uh, the Bengals were were home favorites. That's something we always talk about with running backs. That's, that's going to lead to a good game script for whoever the running back uh, might be. The interesting thing with Hill was... Uh, I believe him and Gio were priced exactly the same on FanDuel last week or like $100 apart. Um, But uh, Hill got yanked the week before after fumbling twice. So it was pretty obvious that people were going to shy away from Hill. Um, We've seen him be the workhorse in this offense before. And the Bengals are are, are moving the ball as as effectively as anybody in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're scoring as much as anybody. Dalton right now is as efficient 
um, as anybody in the league. And when you're passing game rolling like that, you're going to get scoring opportunities. We know Jeremy Hill is the better inside runner. Um, he was still, even after getting yanked last week, he was still right uh, at the top of the leaderboard as far as touches inside the 10 um, among running backs. So my thought process was no one's going to be on Hill. Bengals are going to have scoring opportunities, and Hill's still the better runner. Um, so if anybody does touch this offense, they're probably going to be on Geo just because he was, he was uh, you know, getting the run last the week before. Uh, and then if you look at the most popular play of the week um, – Outside of Carlos Williams, it was probably Latavius Murray, and Hill was priced really close to him. So I'm going to get who a guy that's still one of the better running backs in the league. Uh, we talked about salary drop last week on the podcast. His price dipped. Yes. And, uh, you know, I expected Cincinnati to, to put up a big number, and luckily they did. Uh, I didn't think he'd be that low-owned, um, but, you know, luckily it worked out. It, it's, one of the, it's a GPP, you know, that – those are one of those things that could easily blow up in your face, but those are also the the angles you have to take to you know win these tournaments. Definitely, no, that was really really a great lineup, a great thought process with Hill. You know, like you mentioned, just a lot of things we talked about: running backs, home favorites, uh, getting that touchdown upside, and looking for those contrarian plays and those salary drops, and you know, it, it paid off. So you know, that's something to really keep in mind for the listeners. But, um, you know, this is really, I think, very useful for the listeners out there to just uh, run through a couple of really good lineups and, and the thought processes behind them for tournaments. So I hope this really helps a ton with all of the DFS MVP listeners. I hope we see our listeners at the top of the leaderboards as well. So, Josh, really a pleasure. Thank you for joining me and TJ on DFS MVP today, my man. Yeah, and I would like to say that TJ, I believe, only entered one entry in this contest, so he deserves yeah. like 20, 20 times more props than I do. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that's that's a lot of luck. That's not going to happen very often. I just happen to enter one of the good ones in. So when are you getting your qualifier, Chris? Oh, man, I don't know. I think I threw, I, I threw three lineups in there, and I, think, I believe they were all uh, Matt Hasselbeck lineups. Oh, and, uh, it's funny because he actually scored like a point less than Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, um, yeah he what was fine. Right, but what happened was because I had Hasselbeck in there, I paid up at wide receiver, and yep. that just didn't work. It just just didn't work. Yeah, one of those weeks, man, <laughs> I had the same thing where I pay up and get you know Julio and uh, Odell Beckham and somebody else, and they all stink. So, what right. are you gonna do? Go right. at it again think, next week. I think next week it'll be interesting because I, I I'm wonder I feel like the way things go is. I feel like the stud wide receivers will probably be a little bit lower owned than usual this week, especially Beckham, because I think everyone's going to be on Julio if they go the stud route. So it might be a good time to start to really double down on those studs this week. Yeah, and FanDuel has added a uh, a trip to Vegas to hang out at one of their uh, parties this, this week in the 4-4 tournament, so check that out. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Josh. I don't want to keep you. Uh, me and TJ will get into our picks, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Keep it rolling. Josh Moore, ladies and gentlemen, you can find him on Twitter at 4 for 4 underscore Josh. So now let's get into our Week 5 picks and our DFS Theory segment on sample size. TJ, start us off with the QBs you're looking at in Week 5. Yeah, I mean, so a lot of our discussion this week, and I guess every week really is going to revolve around how you decide to build your lineups. Uh, so right off the bat, 
Um, Tom Brady is priced second on both sites. Uh, so, you know, you're never going to go wrong, especially in cash games, uh, pricing one of the top tier quarterbacks. Uh, you want to pay for that floor. You want to pay for that um, expectation. But he is pricey, uh, priced second on both sides. But the Patriots do have a 29.25 implied point total uh, based on the Vegas odds, which is the highest uh, point total of the week, and the Patriots are favored by nine. Uh, we know this is a team that's going to uh, move the ball through the air. Um, their their passing game is basically an extension of their running game. They're going to use uh, Deion Lewis, Gronk, Edelman. Th- that's how they're going to score and get ahead. Uh, Tom Brady is he's completed 72% uh, of his passes, which is the the fourth um, highest completion percentage in the league. And we've talked about this before. We're looking for efficiency with quarterbacks um, over volume. And we'll get into uh, how, how much we can look at efficiency later on when we talk about sample size. Uh, but it is important. And, again, um, touchdown rate is another great um, efficiency metric that we can look at for quarterbacks. Uh, Tom Brady's thrown uh, a touchdown on 6.8% of his attempts this year, which is really an astronomical number, if you look at historical numbers, uh, quarterbacks don't throw touchdowns at that high of a clip unless your name is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so you know we can expect it to come down a little bit, but you know Tom Brady's going to be up there with the with the top touchdown rate guys. So he's definitely in play uh, this week against the Cowboys. Uh, if you're looking for you know some more value plays, uh, two guys that are priced very similarly this week uh, that I like are Philip Rivers and Sam Bradford. Uh, comparing the two, I think you're going to feel a little bit better about throwing Rivers into your cash game lineup. Sam Bradford's uh, kind of been at both extremes this year, so I would probably say that he is a GPP play only, um, but they're both priced at 7500 on FanDuel. Philip Rivers is 6200 on DraftKings. Sam Bradford is $6,000 on DraftKings. Uh, as far as Philip Rivers go, uh, Chargers are... They have a 24.25 implied point total, which is uh, the eighth highest of the week. Anytime I see a point total over uh, 24, then um, that's when I start really start looking at the offense. Uh, you know, anything over 24 points, that suggests uh, possibly more than four trips to the red zone. You know, three touchdowns in a field goal, that's a lot of red zone trips. And, and uh, the Chargers really like to throw in the red zone. Um, they've historically been a team that, that scores through the air, and it hasn't changed much uh, this year. Uh, they get Antonio Gates back. Ladarius is green. Ladarius Green has been, you know, he's been doing doing very good. Uh, we've seen what the combination of Stevie Johnson and Keenan Allen have done on the outside, and then you always have the deep threat, deep threat with Malcolm Floyd and uh, Dontrell Inman even got in the mix a little bit last week. Uh, so they have a really good receiving core, and it's reflected by Rivers' numbers. He's completed almost seventy one percent of his passes, uh, which is the seventh highest total in the league, and he is scoring. Uh, scoring on 5.7% of his touchdown attempts. Uh, now, compared to the rest of the league, that only ranks 8th uh, or ninth right now. Uh, but if you look at his historical uh, touchdown rate, it's at 5.4%, which is actually the 7th best all-time uh, wow. since the merger. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. I went back and looked at um, historical touchdown rates this week, and Phillip Rivers is 
out of this world. So that five and a half percent, that's a phenomenal number. And he's right around there this year. And is, and and then again, uh, quarterback efficiency. Uh, Pittsburgh has allowed the fourth highest completion percentage in the league at seventy percent. So you know we can expect Rivers to to do his thing against this defense. Uh, Bradford, on the other hand, like I said, kind of up and down. He's coming off of his best game of the season. He threw three touchdowns. I think he was uh, the second uh, highest scoring fantasy quarterback of the week. And uh, it looks like Vegas is expecting uh, the Eagles to have another good game this week. They have a 27-point implied point total, which is uh, 7.5 points over their point-per-game average. Uh, again, that's something I've been looking at. Uh, that's something I've been looking at this year. Chris, I actually think you're one of the first people that I've heard put it in terms like that. Uh, looking at the implied point total versus their their season uh, point per game total kind of tells you not only you know what we expect compared to the rest of the league, but it tells us what we can expect compared to their uh, their performance up to that point. So Vegas thinks they're gonna you know keep this this offensive train rolling, and then. One of my favorite metrics in all of fantasy football, 4 for 4s um, schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. Uh, we just started rolling those numbers out on 4 for 4 It's a metric that looks at, looks at fantasy points, but it adjusts for strength of schedule. So it's a, it's a really, really accurate metric. Uh, Saints rank dead last in fantasy points allowed to quarterback when uh, adjusted for strength of schedule, and they've allowed the seventh most pass touchdowns along with the sixth worst touchdown rate, allowing touchdowns on 6.4% of pass attempts. Uh, so those are some guys I'm looking at uh, going into this week, Chris. Definitely some great picks. I'm on all of those guys. You know, one thing I think is interesting about Rivers, in addition to all those numbers you mentioned, he actually leads the league in passing yards. So Yeah, man. He's I mean, he's one of those guys that I've always thought is, you know, he's one of the best fantasy quarterbacks in the league. He just gets overshadowed by the Brady's and the Rodgers of the world. But yeah, he's up there, man. Definitely. So uh let's turn our attention to the running backs this week and it, it's, it really starts for me with Le'Veon Bell this week against the Chargers on the other side of the ball there. He got 29 touches last week, and that should pretty much continue as long as Big Ben is out. He's mm-hmm. 9,000 on FanDuel, 8,500 on DraftKings, but I think he'll be more than worth it this week. Yeah. San Diego is the second worst team in terms of fantasy points allowed at the running back position, they've been really bad. They're also second worst in adjusted, schedule adjusted fantasy points, as you've mentioned. San Diego is allowing 5.1 yards per carry to running backs, which is just dreadful. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, they are allowing the fifth most receiving yards to running backs already this year. And Bell has caught seven passes in back to back games. So. Le'Veon Bell is basically catching as many passes as a wide receiver one would catch. Um, And he'll probably continue to do that because Michael Vick is a lot more limited in terms of what he can do than Ben Roethlisberger. So just seeding the ball to Bell seems to be the Steelers' game plan this week. And then we're going to go back to the well again with Devontae Freeman. He's 7,600, 6,300 on DraftKings, 7,600 on FanDuel, that was. And um, Washington actually does have a very good run defense on paper. But 
Freeman also did very well the last two weeks against Dallas and Houston. And those two defenses coming into the game, and again, it's very early in the season. There'll be a lot of noise in this data, and we'll talk more about that later in the sample size portion of our show. But uh, Freeman really had a lot of success against two good on-paper run defenses, and that's because he's getting high-value fantasy opportunities. Mm -hmm. He leads all running backs with 20 red zone opportunities. I know I've been talking about Freeman in the red zone, seems like, for weeks now, but he's just he keeps getting those looks in the red zone, and those are very important, especially on a site like FanDuel where it's only half-point PPR and you really need those touchdowns. Atlanta has been run-blocking very well these last two games. Freeman has run for 4.8 yards per carry, and the... Falcons are seven and a half point home favorites. They have a 27.5 team total. So they are expected to keep on rolling and keep on scoring. And Freeman's a good bet for a touchdown. However, one thing I do want to point out is that in GPPs with Freeman. Now, last week, I owned a ton of Freeman pretty much everywhere. Cash games, tournaments, because... When I did my tournament ownership column on Friday uh, in the 4 for 4 DFS sub, I basically found that Freeman was owned under 10% on the Thursday slates, and Joseph Randall was actually owned twice as much as Freeman, mm-hmm. and, and Latavius Murray was owned about three times as much. So that I thought all those guys, first of all, I didn't really like Randall as a road underdog, but I thought Murray and Freeman were pretty similar values, and the fact that Freeman was going to be owned so much less uh, pretty much drove me to put him in a lot more lineups than I than I did Murray, which paid off. But this week, I just want to kind of give a warning that, you know, beware of the touchdown regression. I think this is the week after two straight three touchdown games that Friedman will be very highly owned. And Atlanta has 15 offensive touchdowns. Now, nine of those have been rushing, and only six have been passing. Mm -hmm. Now, historically, league-wide over the past few years, there's generally a two-to-one split where there's two passing touchdowns for every one rushing touchdown. So a nine-to-six split in favor of rushing, that's almost certain to regress. And if it does regress, that'll work in the favor of Matt Ryan. It'll probably work in the favor of Julio Jones, Leonard Hankerson, or maybe even Roddy White since he's kind of been complaining about his role. So that's just something I kind of want to put out there that I always talk about fading the really popular players in GPPs. And this might be a week where I know, you know, for everyone that didn't have a piece of Freeman, which was pretty much 90% of the industry uh, last week, a lot of people that didn't have a piece of Freeman these last two weeks might want to hop on board. And I just do want to remind people that the touchdown regression is going to happen at some point. Washington is a strong defense, so you know while I, I like Freeman in cash games, I think this might be the week to fade him in tournaments, especially if you're entering multiple entries. You know, don't don't put Freeman in every lineup. I don't think that will be a winning strategy this week. But moving on to some more value, basically whoever starts at running back for the Bills is going to be a good value. If it's mm-hmm. Carlos Williams, he's 6900 on FanDuel, 5700 on DraftKings. So his price did rise, but it's still below the average price point and on both sides. And um, the, the Titans are three-point underdogs 
So the, that means the Bills are favored. They should be in positive game script. Williams received 21 touches, including 100% of the running back carries in negative game script last week. So if the Bills can actually get on the positive side of the scoreboard against the Titans, he might be in for an even larger workload. And then if Booby Dixon plays, I'd expect similar usage. Bills running backs have scored six touchdowns already this season. The Titans have allowed three touchdowns to running back in their last two games. Dixon is a capable pass catcher as well, so I don't necessarily think he'll come out of the game in passing situations. He actually caught two balls for 20 yards last week. He's a big guy, so he's sure to get the goal line carries, and he's minimum priced on both sides. So I think that if if Booby Dixon starts, I'm pretty much going to play him in all my cash games. I think Mm -hmm. it allows just a lot of flexibility with the rest of your lineup to then get in guys like Brady and Bell and... Julio and etc. So those three guys, Bell, Freeman, and the Bills running back are the guys I'm really looking at at cash games this week. And then in tournaments, you know, everybody, of course, wants to talk about Todd Gurley, and I do think he's a great tournament play. The only reason I don't think he's a great cash game play on it's more on FanDuel because his price is already 6700 on yeah. DraftKings. I think he's still 4300. So you know, I don't have too much of a problem playing with him in cash games on DraftKings just because he's basically a ton of volume at a discount and that's you're always looking for volume at a discount with running backs Um, but on FanDuel his price is kind of up there where you have to think about other options but the upside is there 21 touches last week 7.7 yards per carry continuous long gains He, he kept ripping off chunk yardage he touched the ball on over half of the team's plays in the second half of the game last week and was responsible for two-thirds of their yardage after halftime. So I think Jeff Fisher will continue to ride Gurley. And TJ, something, a really good point, you actually tweeted out, I believe it was yesterday, the Rams under Jeff Fisher average more rushing attempts when they are seven point or more underdogs than they do in any other type of games. So, you know, what what that's basically saying is that when Jeff Fisher knows that his team is overmatched, he's basically going to try to run the ball and shorten the game. And I think that works really well in in Gurley's favor. He is a great talent. He's some people have even compared him to Adrian Peterson and he really does have that big play upside in tournaments and he's getting the volume to where he, he he'll really be a great play but just on FanDuel I I'd go in a different direction in cash games. So those are really the guys that I'm looking at at running back. Uh anyone else you'd like to add, TJ? No, I mean, just to that Jeff Fisher point, I mean, we've already seen it a little bit this year. Last week they were facing a Cardinals offense that was on fire, uh, and we saw Gurley get half of the team touches uh, just trying to slow down that game. And the Rams have a pretty good defense. Um, you know, they, they were able to slow down the Cardinals a little bit. Uh, Cardinals, you know, fired it up a little bit towards the end of the game, and then they kind of did the same thing uh, in week one against the Seahawks with um, with Cunningham. So uh, yeah, that's that's Jeff Fisher's gonna gonna do exactly what you said. He's gonna try to slow down that game, and uh, yeah, I think uh, you're spot on with that with that girly take. Cool. So before I forget, I want to remind our listeners that FanDuel is hosting the four for four football championship during each of the first ten weeks of the NFL season. You will be able to enter a qualifier. Finish in the top five in that qualifier in any week to win one of 50 seats to the $30,000 final. 
all 50 finalists get paid. This week only, the qualifier is $5 instead of $10. And in addition to the normal payouts, you can win a free trip to Las Vegas for the WWFC party. Also entering these contests will be myself, TJ, 4 for 4 is Josh Moore, and John Paulson. Week 5's qualifier includes $7,000 in cash prizes. To join, go to 444.com and click the 444 Football Championship banner on the bottom right. Now, let's get into wide receiver. Yeah, uh, like I said with um, with Brady and you talked about uh, Le'Veon, it's just going to come down to roster construction this week and what position you want to pay up for. Um, Julio's the top price guy on both FanDuel and DraftKings this week. And, uh, you know, if you want to pay up for receiver, he is the guy to pay up for out of, out of the top five uh, price wide receivers on both sides. I, th- I think he has the best matchup um, of the bunch. Uh, Washington, their, their weakness is in their secondary. You mentioned um, Devontae Freeman, uh, that, that Washington has a, on paper, a good run defense right now. And on paper, they have a, a bad pass defense. So that's kind of that classic. Uh, you know what people have been calling the funnel defense, where if you're going to beat them, it's going to be through the air. Uh, we saw Julio's targets get diminished a little bit last week, and Josh talked about this while he was on. It was just I expected the same thing. I had Julio in cash, and I had Freeman and mostly GPPs last week, uh, just because I expected the Falcons to get up big uh, through the air and then shut it down. It just they just happened to get up with some Freeman touchdowns early, and they just absolutely blew out the Texans. So they didn't even need Julio. I think they pulled starters in the third quarter. Is that right? I, I don't. Yeah, completely, pretty. Yeah. Sometime midway through the third quarter. Yeah, it was it was a blowout. Down. Yeah, so they didn't even really need Julio, but you know he's going to stay atop the league in uh, in targets and red zone targets. So if you want to pay for him against Washington, it's it's definitely a feasible option. Uh, Dropping down a little bit in price, uh, if you still want that high volume guy, but you don't want to pay top dollar, uh, Julian Edelman is a fantastic option. He's seventy seven hundred on Fanduel. He's seven thousand dollars on DraftKings. Uh, I might be a little more inclined to pay for him on DraftKings just because of that full PPR scoring. Uh, but you really can't go wrong either way. Um, I think this whole New England passing game is going to be in play, and you'll have something more to say about that in a little bit, Chris. Uh, Edelman's averaging 14 targets per game, uh, which accounts for almost 32% of the Patriots' total targets, and he also has accounted for 28% of the Patriots' uh, red zone targets, which anything over 25% is a really nice number. He's only converted one of those red zone targets into a touchdown, I think, Uh, but we will definitely expect that uh, that ratio go up soon uh, so Edelman's in play right around his price tag uh, dropping down a little bit more a guy that I really like a guy that I've actually liked a lot all year he just we haven't been talking about him too much because there have been so many receiver values is Jeremy Macklin um, he's $6,900 on FanDuel this week and he's $6,000 on DraftKings and if there's a week that um, you know Alex Smith is going to Stop being Alex Smith so much. It's going to be this week. Uh, you know, I, I don't. I wouldn't. You know, put money on it. But you know, Macklin is the main target in this offense. Um, I'm not going to bet all my money on Alex Smith. But you know, if he does throw, it's going to go to Macklin, and his price tag is pretty inviting. Uh, the Chiefs are projected for just under 28 points, and they're 10 point favorites. Uh, Chicago's secondary is 
they're pretty much an abomination. Uh, we saw it with everybody targeting the Raiders receivers last week in DFS. Uh, Chicago's the only team to rank in the bottom six in both uh, completion percentage allowed and touchdown rate allowed. They've allowed touchdown on nine, uh, 9.1% of pass attempts. I talked about historical pass numbers a little bit earlier. Uh, that's a astronomical number. Like They cannot stop the passing game right now. Macklin is... He's getting 10 targets a game. Um, he's one of just 12 guys with six red zone uh, targets on the year, six or more red zone targets. And again, kind of like Edelman, he's only converted one of those red zone targets into a touchdown. So we're going to expect that total to come up a little bit. And he will be facing off against one of my favorite quarter cornerbacks to target, Kyle Fuller, um, who's just underwhelmed ever since he came into the league as a first-round pick. Uh, he ranks in the bottom 10 in the league in yards per completion, so he's always a really nice uh, cornerback to target if you are paying attention to those quarterback numbers. Um, another guy who has been one of my preseason favorites, he's on every one of my redraft teams, and he's finally out of this uh, this this purgatory of good cornerbacks <laughs> and good defenses, man. You Alan ask Robinson, me about him every week. I know because no, he's I the know guy, man. Guy. He's, he's, <laughs> he's baby Des. He's one of the best receivers in the league. The numbers just aren't there yet. I'm telling you, he's he's 6,300 on Fanduel. He's 5,500 on DraftKings, uh, which is a very reasonable price for a player that ranks 13th in the league in targets. But he's priced, uh, you know, 23rd and 21st respectively on Fanduel and DraftKings. So he's really affordable. Uh, he, he's seeing 25% of the market share of both total targets and red zone targets um, uh, from from uh, Blake Bortles. I'm just laughing because you said I keep asking him about you, and I'm like, man, he's the guy. But if you look at if you look at three of his first four games, um, he had to face off against Josh Norman. Uh, he had the Bill Belichick effect against the the Patriots. We know Belichick's always going to take away the team's best weapon, and it's clearly Allen Robinson in this offense. And then he had uh, Vontae Davis. The one game he had, uh, you know, just average matchup, he went off. And now he'll get to face off. Uh, it'll probably be a little bit of a split between um, Mike Jennings and uh, Mike Jenkins and Tim Jennings, but they're both uh, pretty mediocre cornerbacks. And um, and the Bucks rank uh, 21st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. So I'm expecting some big things from Allen Robinson this week. And then a very, very cheap, sneaky play this week. If you're really looking to save at the position, if you're paying up for you know those positions we talked about, Willie Sneed, uh, the Saints wide receiver, he's priced very cheap. Minimum salary on DraftKings, $5,300 on FanDuel. Uh, the last three weeks, he's seen at least six targets and four catches. Uh, he leads New Orleans wide receivers in yards. Uh, this is a game with the highest over-under of the week. And uh, Philly ranks 31st in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. So the matchup is there. It's, it's, the Saints are back to, I, I kind of said this a little bit before the season started, without Jimmy Graham, if you remember back to those like Devery Henderson days, uh, this was always a hard offense to figure out because Breeze would just kind of spread it around. There was no clear number one. And I think we're starting to see that a little bit. We expected it from Cooks a little bit, but Willie Sneed might sneakily emerge as the top target in this offense. And, you're going to want to get these type of players while their salary is still cheap. Uh, you know, if he goes off for a couple weeks in a row, his salary is going to skyrocket. So I want some shares of him now. Yeah, no, definitely. I was uh, one thing I like to do is I, I watch all the games. Yeah. Uh, usually on on on, on NFL Game Pass. So I, you know, I watch them. I mean, I watch them on Sunday Live, but then I go back and rewatch. And one of the things I really like to do is I like to listen to the 
the commentators, and this is something for the listeners at home that if you have NFL Game Pass or just if you're watching games, don't, you know, I know Phil Simms stinks, so you probably want to mute him, <laughs> but, um, you know, anyone else, you know, listen to the commentators because the commentators of the game they get access all weekend to the coaches' meetings, and then yeah. and they get access to you know they just get to talk to the players, and and they, and they get all this insider information that they then get to reveal during the telecast. And one of the things that they were talking about on Sunday Night Football in, in the uh, in in the Cowboys Saints game was that Drew Brees really likes Willie Sneed, and yeah. that. Willie Sneed kind of played himself into a role on the yeah. team, just kept making plays. And, you know, I I don't think that's to be taken lightly, especially on a team where they did lose their top target. And we just all kind of assumed it was Brandon Cooks. But Brandon Cooks, he's not Brandon a true Cooks number one. Brandon Cooks isn't good at football. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's not. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Hot takes. Hot yeah, takes. he's not good. Okay. You know, I mean, I was just going to say he's not a true number one wide receiver because he's not, he's not adept at beating – press a man coverage you know but i mean not good at football works too <laughs> well, I mean, he's, he's, he's like a small guy that's supposed to get open and you know in these these short areas and he, he can't do it so it's like what's the point of having him like willie sneed's gonna be the guy yeah no but yeah no that's exactly i i think so too you know he's willie sneed is actually averaging more ppr and standard fantasy points than brandon cooks you yeah. know he He's averaging a four for 60 line, which translates to uh, about 64 catches for 960 yards. I did that math all in my head. <laughs> um, but, you know, no, that, trans- that translates to almost an 1,000-yard season that yeah, Willie man. Sneed is on pace for. Drew Brees is his quarterback, and he's going against Philly in the game with the highest over-under. You know, he, I, like you said, I, I'm, I'm going to want some exposure to that, you know. Yeah, in, in any format, I mean, if if you're trying to roster these high-priced guys, like, you can put Willie Steen to cash game. Uh, he's cheap enough that you can can do it this week. Right, especially on DraftKings where he's 3K, you know. That's, yeah. That's minimum. So, you know, that that's a great call right there. I really, you know, I think Sneed is a guy, I'm pretty sure he's going to be minimally owned because – we're in a bubble and you know only people like me and you will really really roster this guy definitely the the twitter the twitter sphere isn't as big as we think right and you know another guy and you know i don't like him as much as sneed but i think he deserves mentioning because he's kind of in the same boat is dontrell inman of the chargers um in his he's had three games in his career so far where he's had extended action um where he's caught a pass at all and in those three games he's gone seven for 79 uh, five for seventy nine and three for eighty eight. So, Malcolm Floyd is going to be out. Uh, it looks like uh, Stevie Johnson's going to miss the game as well. So Inman will probably become Rivers' second receiver. And you know, I think Keenan Allen is also a really good play. But Inman is a guy who's also pretty much minimum priced and will be very low owned and ha- has a good chance at putting up. You know. Another eighty yards or so, maybe even a hundred. Yeah, you know, who knows? Um, there, so there's some cheap guy. wide receiver values this week. We're not, we won't spend thirty minutes on wide receivers, but uh, you know, if if you're listening at home, do your homework. Uh, everyone talks about dollar per point. Go ahead and look at dollar per average target, and you'll be really surprised at some some values out there this week. There's a few more, and we'll we'll let you guys we'll leave you guys hanging and let you do some homework on that one. Right, and of course, you guys can always check out 4for4.com 
value reports and lineup generator, those will have all these top values. A lot of them are at the top of the, the page. Page they really stand out. Stand out. But like you said, if you don't spend all day on those guys. Let's go to tight end. Of course, it starts with Rob Gronkowski, 87, 80. 400 on FanDuel, 7,500 on DraftKings. He scored a touchdown in eight of his last nine games, including the playoffs. He's always the premier option at the position. The Patriots have the highest team total on the slate, and Gronk has been responsible for 35% of the Patriots receiving touchdowns since the start of 2014, including the playoffs. So high Vegas total, Gronk, Tom Brady at quarterback, you can't really go wrong there. Now, his price is a bit excessive. So, especially if Booby Dixon does not start for the Bills and you, you don't have a minimum priced running back to throw in your cash game lineups, you might want to bump down a little bit. Charles Clay, he's at 5700 on Fandle and 4100 on DraftKings. So, his price did rise. And I don't usually like to target guys whose price rose, but Clay was so low priced before that... I'm not as concerned about his price hike. It looks like Sammy Watkins will miss another game, and if he does, it's likely that Clay, again, is the focal point of the Bills' passing offense. You know, we talked about this last week. You know, Watkins was out, McCoy was out, so Clay got 13 targets. He got nine catches for 111 yards. He actually caught a, I believe it was a 32-yard touchdown that got wiped off by a silly Richie Incognito chop blocking penalty, one of the Bills' 17 penalties on the day. So Clay would have had an even bigger day if that hadn't happened. Um, Clay is one of the few tight ends in the league that runs routes that legitimately runs routes down the field. He can run, yeah. he can run posts and, and corners and, and, and all of these routes that mostly you see receivers running. So Clay is a very solid option this week. The Titans haven't fared well against tight ends. They've allowed 70 yards and uh, .67 touchdowns per game to the position, along with 12.3 yards per ta- target, Excuse me, which is pretty astronomical, especially for tight ends, so the Titans have been having some trouble defending tight ends. And then, of course, there's always... Tight end is a position where it's it's very high variance. It's hard to predict on a weekly basis. It's, it's a low-scoring position in general. So sometimes you might just want to punt the position. And yeah. if you do, you know, TJ, I know you talked about this last week with Martellus Bennett. The Raiders have just been an abomination versus tight ends. Owen Daniels is 4,900 on FanDuel and 2,700 on DraftKings. He's coming off back-to-back games with a touchdown, so he's been involved in the offense. He's not, he's not racking up that much yardage, but listen to these stat lines that the Raiders have allowed to tight ends in the first four weeks of the season. In week one, it was nine catches, 104 yards, and two touchdowns to Tyler Reifert. In week two, it was five catches for 88 yards and two touchdowns to Crockett Gilmore. In week three, it was six catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown to Gary Barnage. And then last week, (laughs) exactly. And uh, and then last week, it was the 11 catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown to Martellus Bennett. So, you know, at, at Daniels's price. He's already scored touchdowns in back-to-back games, and the Raiders have given up six touchdowns to Titans in four games. If Daniel scores a, t- a touchdown, even if it's a one-yard score and that's the only pass he catches, 
you're not doing too bad for punting that position there. So Daniels is definitely an option, probably more so in cash games where you're really punting in tournaments. You might want a little more upside, though. You know, I think there is a chance that Daniels could have his best game of the season. Yeah, he can score two <laughs> touchdowns against right. the Raiders. Right. So, you know, I think I still will have some exposure to him in tournaments as well. Um, so, again, you know, Gronk, premier option. Clay, nice value. Daniels, punt. So, you know, let's switch gears to defense. TJ, who you got in week five on D? Yeah, I mean, I'll just kind of go um, in order of price here. Starting with Tampa Bay, who's a cheaper option. They're $4,000 on FanDuel and they're $2,500 um, on DraftKings. Uh, facing the Jaguars at home as two-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, the Jaguars have a projected point total just over 19. 19 points, which is a very low total. Uh, Jacksonville's offensive line has allowed the third most quarterback pressures in the league. Uh, quarterback pressures lead to sacks, lead to fumbles, lead to interceptions. Uh, we always want to be paying attention to those pressures over sacks if, um, if you can. Uh, sacks are a little high variance, but quarterback pressures are pretty steady, and that's what is eventually going to lead to sacks, which leads to uh, fantasy points. And again, um, quarterback efficiency, low-efficiency quarterbacks are going to uh, they're going to be good targets for your defense and special teams. Only Johnny Menzel has a lower completion percentage than Blake Bortles this year, uh, and Bortles is thrown touchdown on just three point nine percent of his pass attempts. So I know that goes a little bit against my uh, Allen Robinson love, <laughs> but but you know if Bortles does do anything, it's going to be to Allen Robinson. So. Um, you know that's that's uh, Tampa Bay is a good target. Uh, the premier defensive player of the of the week is the Giants against the 49ers. They're they're reasonably priced and they have as good a chance as anybody to finish as the uh, defense special teams one on the week. They're priced 4,300 on Fanduel and 2,900 on DraftKings. So even though they're a top play, they're still going to leave you a lot of flexibility uh, for the rest of your lineup. Uh, Colin Kaepernick is. You know, the, the definition of inefficiencies, like I just talked about with Blake Bortles. Um, Kaepernick's converted uh, just 1.7% of his pass attempts into scores. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, I'm talking about Brady over here with an 8 9%, and he's converted 1.7% of his pass attempts into scores. Um, and he ranks in the bottom five in the league in sack rate at 9.6% of his dropbacks and interception rate. Uh, he's also in the bottom five, 4.3% of his attempts are going for interceptions. And San Francisco, again, uh, those pressures, they've allowed the eighth most quarterback pressures. And, you know, even though, you know, Kaepernick can scramble and get away from the rush, those scrambling quarterbacks are guys that get sacked the most. So Giants are in a really, really good spot this week. Um, if you want to pay up, if you want to go a little contrarian, if you want to go GPPs and have that unique roster construction. Uh, the Bills make for a really nice play. Uh, they're they're priced pretty high, so I think I don't think people will be on them too much. Um, they're priced forty eight hundred dollars on Fanduel and thirty four hundred on DraftKings, which is a pretty big number, especially for a road team. Uh, but they are favorites um, on the road against a rookie quarterback. Uh, Titans are projected to score under twenty points, which is uh, it's almost ten points below their season average. So that's a really big gap um, in projected points compared to what they've been doing all season. Um, and they rank 
in as the worst team in the league on four for four in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing uh, defense and special teams. And then, you know, if you do start one of those Bills running backs like you talked about, Chris, um, it makes for a really nice correlation play. Uh, defense correlates really, really well with um, defense and special teams uh, and running back. So uh, pairing pairing the Bills defense with with Booby, it's going to give you uh, a pretty unique. Uh, roster construction if you do have um, have booby like the rest of the field will likely have um, pair him up and you know you'll have that unique lineup so unless you have anything else to add to defense chris our favorite position in fantasy football kicker kicker let's, let's get into it so, i didn't uh, get a zero from kicker this week oh congratulations man thanks man yeah <laughs> No, yeah, my, I I had a I had a lot of Matt Bryant last week, and he got yeah, like six, too. so that didn't, yeah, I mean yeah. it's reasonable if you know you, you just just give me something, right? <laughs> um, so this week, you know, Cairo Santos, he's going to be a chalk play just because he put up a ridiculous amount of fantasy points last week. Um, he I think he got twenty seven, which was higher than the highest quarterback. Um, he went seven for seven on field goals, so we know he's confident and he can make his kicks, which. Can't be said about a lot of kickers this year, yeah. especially a lot of the young kickers. So that's a good sign. But more importantly, the Chiefs are nine-point home favorites and have a 26.75 implied point total. And if you follow the Chiefs, you know that it, their point total is rarely ever this high. Yeah, so, it's, a huge, it's a huge number for the Chiefs, man. Uh, that, that's kind of why I pointed out uh, Macklin earlier. Like, that's a big number. Yeah, so, you know, you're always looking for, for kickers on t- – teams that are large favorites because when they're large favorites that means it's likely that they'll be ahead which means the coach won't need to go for it on fourth down instead of kicking field goals and then of course you want the high point total because that just means red zone trips and scoring opportunities and if you're looking for a minimum price kicker Josh Lambeau it seems like he's been the minimum price kicker of choice every week. Um, San Diego is three point home favorites. You talked about this earlier and at home Lambo is averaging 11.5 points per game compared to only four on the road. So the Chargers offense as a whole seems to be moving the ball a lot better at home, which is going to help Lambo out. So that those are the kickers, Cairo Santos, Josh Lambo. Now let's get in to our theory segment. Today we're going to be talking about relevant sample sizes. It's a very important topic because daily fantasy sports is a a very data-driven game. We use a lot of numbers and statistics and metrics and there's just at this point there's just a lot of great websites out there four for four and just a lot of other ones that just have a lot of great data and sometimes it's just hard to decipher when to use that data and what, which of the data is significant. So, TJ, why don't you just start us off and just discuss sample size and your thoughts about that and how you go about about deciding what's relevant and what's not. Yeah, I mean, this is a really interesting topic for, for any fantasy football player, really, not just daily fantasy players but it it came to mind a little bit this week because we like I mentioned earlier we started using 4 for 4's um adjusted fantasy points allowed metric which we don't start rolling out till week 3 or 4 just because like we talked about you need a relevant sample size now 3 or 4 games isn't a huge sample size but 
the NFL is such a short season that we have to start making decisions on on what teams are and who players are very early in the season. So we're already a quarter of the way through the season. So uh, we have to use the data we have. It's it's right about that point where we're not looking at last year's trends anymore. Uh, these teams are starting to tell us who they are. Uh, you know, and then to to another point outside of data, we're also looking at at ourselves as daily fantasy players in terms of sample size. Um, if you're only playing regular season, you only get 17 trials to play daily fantasy football. Um, so I have a lot of friends, a lot of new players, a lot of other fantasy guys that I talk to every day, every week about daily fantasy, and they're telling me, you know, I'm crushing it or I'm, I'm doing horrible. You know, what's going on? What can I change? If you have a solid process, you know, it's very reasonable that you can be a losing player and be winning money right this far into the season and vice versa. You might be losing money, but you're a winning player. Uh, there are a lot of things that we have to take into account. Um, talking about sample size, especially as it pertains to the NFL, because we only have 16 games. Um, so, so, you know, We'll talk about specific players and positions that come to mind, but Chris, you have a couple of thoughts on on quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and how to combat like their sample size issues. Right. So, you know, as you mentioned, you know, the season is so short. It's only 16 games. You can pair that to like NBA where it's an 82 game season or Mm -hmm. the MLB where it's a 162 game season. And you're looking at just a very limited number of of what in essence is trials that that you can judge players by. So when it comes to the positions, quarterbacks, they have the most trials uh, you know, the top quarterback last year had 659 pass attempts, you know, and mm-hmm. then running backs are next on the list, then wide receivers, then yeah. tight ends. So, you know, the top wide receiver in 2014 saw only 184 targets. That was less than a third of, you know, the league leader in pass attempts. So one thing you can do to, to combat this issue is you can incorporate the larger sample size into the player that has a smaller sample size. So with wide receivers, instead of just looking at him on plays he's been targeted, you can say, okay, well, how many times has this wide receiver been targeted compared to how many routes he's run or to mm-hmm. how many passes his quarterback has thrown? And now you're getting, you can look at his market share percentage, and now you're able to incorporate a larger sample size and get a truer representation of what this player is, especially with wide receivers. Not all targets, but some targets aren't just, you know, a quarterback throwing the ball at a guy. Getting open is a skill, and, you know, to get a target a lot of the time, you have to get open. So... You know, that's one way you can limit variance by, you know, increasing your sample size. You can also look at league averages, league averages as opposed to to player averages. So for a lot of these players, they'll have some pretty outrageous numbers. For example, Devontae Mm -hmm. Freeman over his last two games is averaging three touchdowns per game. We all know that he's not going to continue to average three touchdowns per game, but because you know, our data on Freeman is giving, you know, he has seven touchdowns or whatever in four games. How do we now project into the future? Well, one thing you can do is just look at league averages, you know, know what the league average of touchdowns per carry is, know what the league average of touchdowns per team is. So you can say, okay, well, Freeman's a home favorite this week uh, against the Redskins and home favorites historically score about one touchdown one rushing touchdown per game so then you can say well expect Freeman to probably have a 90% share of 
Falcons rushing touchdowns, so I'm going to project them for about .9 rushing touchdowns. Things yeah. like that where you, you just use these league averages to kind of get an expectation about a player because, first of all, the NFL is such a, a, a limited sample size that most player statistics are regressing to the mean anyway. So just by knowing these league averages, you kind of know what to expect. Red zone uh, targets get converted into touchdowns about 25% of the time. So you can say, okay, well, this player is getting this amount of red zone targets. This is how many touchdowns I can realistically expect from them. You can look at things like yards per carry average, which can be th- thrown out of whack by just one long run. Yeah. So you can you can kind of say, well, you know, I know the league yards per carry average is 4.2, and I can expect this guy to get about 15 carries. So rather than project him at whatever his yards per carry average actually is on the season due to big plays, you can kind of say, okay, you know, I, I'm going to guess he's somewhere around the league average. You know, if, if you like his talent or the matchup or whatever, you project him at a little higher. If you don't, you project him at a little lower. But just knowing these league averages help combat a lot of sample size issues because these league averages you can look at over a course of a year, two year, five year, even 10 years span and just really see what the expectation is. You know, for example, Joseph Randall in week three against the Falcons had runs of 37, 28, and 20 yards. So he had three runs that totaled 85 yards. He finished with 14 carries for 87 yards, which looks pretty good. But his other 11 runs went for two yards. And that's why I wrote in my GPP breakdowns this week on 4for4.com that I was fading Randall everywhere and playing Devontae Freeman over him because Randall, it was just the fact that he was much more likely that those 11 runs were much more representative than three runs of a sample. Even 11 runs aren't a lot, but that's still more than three. And he just wasn't doing much. And then of course, last week against the saints, he had something like eight carries for 25 yards. So, you know, that just goes to show. And Andre Ellington was another guy, I believe uh, in 2013, he had an 80 yard run against the Falcons and that inflated his yards per carry average. And then the next season, 2014, he he averaged about 3.3 yards per carry. So you really have to pay attention, not only to sample size, but to the outliers yeah. in that sample size. And, um, you know, those are just some tips that, that I thought were helpful in, in kind of navigating these small sample sizes. So, uh, TJ, what are your thoughts and where, what else are you looking at in terms of sample size? No, I mean, all that, that, was a, that was a ton of useful information. And I really encourage everyone to, to rewind or replay that, that section and really listen to it because uh, there's a lot there. But in short, if, if I'm on the same page with you, um, what, what you're basically saying is, especially this early in the season, is th- those raw numbers are important, but you want to look at rates and averages. And we both talked about this throughout our picks today. Um, touchdown rates, completion percentages, uh, league averages. You know, just go through your data, find the data, um, ask us on Twitter. You know, we love sharing this information. Um, you know, just because someone has whatever, 20 red zone targets and one touchdown, like what does that mean? How do you put that in context? Um, so basically you're telling the, the listeners how to put these numbers in context. Is that right? Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and and then um, just kind of piggybacking off that, uh, another thing that you can do because not every player fits perfectly into uh, 
into these boxes that we, we, we build with these league averages, you can look at a, a, a individual player's career, right? So, you know, through four games, if, uh, you know, if a player hasn't scored a touchdown yet, their their touch their scoring rates are not going to be up to par. Um, if a player has already scored four touchdowns through four games, their touchdown rates are going to be astronomical. And I got to thinking this week with uh, quarterback efficiency as an example. I was looking at top touchdown scores this week, and the numbers seemed high. Uh, and a guy I talked about earlier, Philip Rivers. Uh, his touchdown rate right now is at 5.7% on the season, which is good, but it only ranked uh, ninth or 10th in the league. And I, I remember just from last year from doing similar research that he was always in the top of the league in, in touchdown rates. So I wanted to see what, what can I expect that number to be at? Like wh- where, is, where, should it really, where should he really rank? So like I mentioned earlier, I went back and looked at career touchdown rates, and, and Phillip Rivers is um, seventh all-time at 5.4%. So even though he's eighth right now, he's, he's still throwing touchdowns at an above-average rate. Uh, we can expect some of these top touchdown scores like uh, Tyrod Taylor and Andy Dalton. We can expect them to regress back to their career mean. Uh, but someone like Phillip Rivers, he's going to stay right around this 5.5% touchdown rate. We can pretty much bank on that. He's been doing it for a really long time. Uh, so even though he's ninth in the league right now, he's going to be a top touchdown scorer in this league. Uh, you talked about outliers, Chris. Uh, sample size especially in football, it's hard to identify a true outlier. You know, we only have 16 games when we're trying to unravel data after four games. Like, well, yeah, we have these outliers, but who's going to regress? Who isn't going to regress? Um, an example that I talked about today on Twitter is Gronk. Uh, we're we're going to talk about Gronk every week. He's going to be a top tight end option every week. Uh, he does not fit into a, a league average database. Um, Gronk has scored on 57% of his red zone targets this year. Uh, he, he's, that, is, that, that number doesn't exist in football. Um, so so if, you, if you look at that you know, through four games and you take that advice, you know, which is amazing advice, but if you take it on the surface and don't dig deeper, you're going to say, oh, well, Gronk touchdowns totals, they have to regress to that 22 to 25% range on red zone targets. But if you look at his career – um, he's converted 49% of his red zone targets into touchdowns. Like we don't have to expect negative regression. Uh, since he came to the league, the, the, the touchdown per target rate in the red zone is right around 23%. He's a 49% for his career. Like, you know, he's a guy that doesn't fit into that box. So, you know, do your homework is what we're saying. The, the sample size is going to be small in the NFL. But if you look at these rates, if you look at these averages, if you look at players' careers, that we could get a really good idea of, of what these numbers mean. Uh, touchdowns, targets, uh, touches, you know, we have to put it in context. A running back that's averaging 15 touches per game, a 10-touch a game and a 20-touch game that averages 15 touches is not the same as two 15-touch games. Right. That 15-touch in two games is going to have a higher floor than your 10 and 20 touch guy. So you have to differentiate these things. You have to look at all the data at hand. Uh, so it's, th- that's why we have an edge in this game because we can go back. You know, there, there's tons of sites that can give you these numbers, averages per game uh, targets, but you have to dig a little deeper. You have to know what the sample size means uh, relative to the rest of the league. Uh, so, you know, th- those are just some of my thoughts on relevant sample size and, just to reiterate, like I said before, it goes 
into our success as daily fantasy players. We're only four weeks in. Don't don't get too excited and don't get too down on yourself yet. If your process is good by week 17, I, th- I think you're going to be all right. For uh, you know, just as as a bit of encouragement going into last week, it was the third year in a row that I was down significant money after three weeks. Um, I've never finished NFL season down um, in DFS. That's not to brag, but that's to say. Three weeks in, you you don't don't worry. We don't know what we are yet. We're gonna be fine if our process is all right. Definitely, those are some really really great points. And I you brought up opportunity. And one final note I wanted to mention is with sample size and with limited sample sizes, when you're measuring opportunity, it's a lot more relevant even with a limited sample size and efficiency metrics because opportunity, it's a lot more in human control. It's a lot more of, okay, the coach is going to call these plays and he's going to put these players on the field for this amount of snaps. And if you see a player, you know, getting certain amount of usage over the last two games, three games, four games, that can be a lot more relevant than, you know, his efficiency metrics. It's like I said, could be, you know, there could be one or two big plays or, or, or even the opposite, one or two terrible plays that really uh, kind of mess up his efficiency metrics and don't give you a true picture of how efficient he'll be over time. But with usage, you know, I'm paying attention. If a guy has played, you know, 50% of the snaps one game and that's up to 80% the next game, you know, even though that's only one game at 80% snaps, you know, that's trending in a direction where that was controlled by somebody. The coach made that decision to put that guy out there. So, you know, a lot of times opportunity samples can be relevant. Now, sometimes, you know, again, it's all about context. Like Julio Jones is second in the NFL in targets. You know, last week he only had six. Now, you're not going to go and say, well, Julio Jones, he's just not going to be a big part of the Falcons' offense anymore. No, that wasn't the case at all. It just was a game script situation where the Falcons got up big running the ball and playing great defense, and they didn't need to throw the ball to Julio. But So that's just something I want people to keep in mind. A small sample size, pay more attention to the opportunities, to the touches, to the snaps being played. But the efficiency metrics, the yards per carry, the yards per touch, even the yards per pass attempt, things like that, they will have a lot of variance, especially after four weeks. So, um, you know, that, this was a really great discussion. Sample size, navigating it, and when to trust the data is really important um, to, to DFS success. Like TJ said, trust your process, do your homework, pay attention to these sample sizes, and put everything in context do you have anything else to add before we get out of here tj no man that that was maybe my most fun theory uh discussion so far you know we got a lot of good info in there so uh you know i hope that uh that opens some people's eyes and lets people uh not be down if they're if things aren't going so well you know we're getting all the relevant data now so things are gonna start getting really good for people that are doing their homework and uh and you know these wins come in bunches so I think Chris has a qualifier to win this week. Ooh, I do, man. I mean, <laughs> we got to have the whole four. The whole four for four teams going to be represented in the finals. You and John are coming. Oh yeah, we're coming, man. We're coming. I gotta, uh, I gotta step my game up, man. I gotta step my game up with that, with that point six percent owned contrarian play. Gotta oh, do it. Man. Once in a while, once in a while. (laughs) But so that'll do it for us here at DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports Most Valuable Podcast. 
We hope you enjoyed the show and thank you so much for listening. You can find my co-host TJ Hernandez on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. And you can find me, Chris Raybon, on Twitter at Chris Raybon. Good luck in week five. Let's get this money. I woke up feeling brand new. I jumped up.